We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app 97.1 fm talk podcast this hour of the mark reardon show is sponsored by gamma tree experts your trees deserve the best care call gamma tree experts Mark Reardon. You know, politicians want to force you to cover your face as a way for them to cover their own asses. Mark Reardon. Does the president not know what's going on? I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. The Mark Reardon Show is on now. Oh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's sunny, it's nice, but it is a little chilly out here as we roll into a Wednesday edition of the Mark Reardon Show on St. Louis's home for conservative talk. Sue Thomas has just made herself comfortable in the studio. Abby is here, and then I kind of guilted Fred into coming back to work today. Sue, I don't know if you, I don't know if you noticed that, but he. Uh, well, did you? How about Fred Bottenheimer over there, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, well, what y- happened yesterday? You know, yesterday we I I spoke about how Fred I was thrown off my rhythm. You know, you, you get we used all to are, things, frankly. Right? you know, and I'm, I've worked with Fred for a long time. So when he's not here to kind of manage the show, which is well above my pay grade, I get thrown off. And I, I went into this mantra yesterday about, and this is a true story, that it angers me at the end of the year when Fred's here during Christmas week and he's got vacation days on the table. I'm like, why aren't you taking those? But I've noticed... He's I've noticed them. he's starting to take some days. You know what? Okay, this makes me nervous for two reasons. <laughs> One... He's realizing that he should take that, too. I think maybe he's starting to think, maybe I should. Uh, I, I just don't want the retirement word no, to I don't, occur I don't want to that him. Anyway, he, he claims that he came in because he does have, you know, he, he's not only my executive producer. He's, he's got, got a, a lot whole, of different roles. He does a whole show. Right, on CamelX. Yes. So he's back, but he said he would have had to come back to, to do some of that anyway. But so I felt you, a little guilty because I told him yesterday, I said, hey, if you're bored, listen to the monologue because I mainly talked about you. Could you have at least somehow kept him around for Sue's news? Um, well, I, is, <laughs> why is he cutting out today early? I don't know. I didn't know. Oh, he's still here. No, I thought here. you were talking like he was. Okay. No, no, no. He's still here. So I think he's going to stick around for Sue's news <laughs> okay, for good. sure. I have to start on a sad note this afternoon. Yeah, Some people I heard may this. not have heard Darn this. It. Yeah, it's um. This one kind of came out of nowhere too. Christine McVie. Um, I mean, legend with Fleetwood Mac really changed so the entire great. sound of the band. I think a lot of people have to remember that until rumors, Christine McVie, um, Stevie Nicks, they were not in that That's band. Right. Lizzie Buckingham, right? It was Peter Green and uh, a few others that I'm forgetting. She was 79 years old. I think we forget how old some of these I aging rock stars are. I did not realize that. Uh, it all came from a social media post from the band. In fact, you know, we just had Rick on from Las Vegas. He's the one 
who sent this to me just about an hour and a half ago, and I had not heard about it. I think it was right when the band had, had put something out on Instagram. I'll read you the statement here. There are no words to describe our sadness as the uh, at the passing of Christine McVie. She was truly one-of-a-kind, special, and talented beyond measure. She was the best musician anyone could have had in their band and the best friend anyone could have in their life. We were so lucky to have a life with her individually and together. We cherish Christine deeply and are thankful for the amazing memories we have. She will be so very missed. Now, I've seen Fleetwood Mac over the years many times. The first time in the 1980s at the Checkerdome when the band was you know, complete, they were full, Christine was there. And of course, then she left for a long, long period of time. But I'd have to guess it was maybe four or five years ago they were coming back to town and it was with Christine and Lindsay was with the band before you know Stevie kicked him out again because they've gone back and forth. And I really, really wanted to see Fleetwood Mac one more time and I bought a ticket that night, just one ticket to see... Christine McVie. Yeah. I, I wanted to see She's her awesome. with the band yeah. because I had seen Fleetwood Mac probably twice, it's maybe not, three times without her. And it was, it was good, but no, it's it's not the same. So that's that's a sad day in, in rock and roll, uh, unfortunately. And think about the songs that she oh. sang on, right? Right, hit after hit after hit. See that one with Lindsay. She comes in a little bit later. This one's in the in the media a lot lately because they have that kind of annoying commercial for what is it, Toyota? I'm probably getting the car company wrong. Or oh, something I don't like remember. That. Right, but this See, I can't we think of know it. because this is on. If you're watching football or live sports, this commercial's on oh, all the shoot. time, and they use this song everywhere from the 1980s. Uh, this one too. Listen, on. Oh, don't oh, stop. My. Right. You know, Rumors is just one of those albums that I think pretty much anyone who uh, was coming of age musically in the 1970s and and maybe certainly even beyond uh, would have in their collection because it's just so epic. 79 years old, Christine McVie passing away today. You know what? There's many things that suck about that, but the one thing that does suck, I think I told you having... I just sent Kevin Johnson a message from the Post-Dispatch. He does the the music Mm -hmm. stuff, and he did a... He did a piece uh, on a bunch of great shows that are coming in the month of December, and I pointed out to him, because I know Kevin a little bit, I was teasing him, I said, hey, you missed one, there's a band called Foles, which is coming this Sunday to uh, the pageant, alternative rock band, and he he said, he responded, he said, well, I didn't miss that one, I missed it on purpose because it was a holiday show, it's sort of affiliated with another uh-huh. radio station, but I said to him in my response, and I think I made this statement after I came back from Las Vegas the last time, I've been on this sort of gotta see them one more time before they're dead tour, because this year alone, Sting, Aerosmith, Roger Waters, The Who, The Eagles recently, so I've kind of decided half-jokingly, that in 2023, no acts over 70 years old except for Springsteen because I have tickets. However, I would have absolutely made an exception if Fleetwood Mac would have gone back on the road yep. with Lindsay yep. and with Christine. And now it's you'll never have Fleetwood Mac whole again. It just it will never be the same. So at this point, I'm not so sure if there's a purpose for Fleetwood Mac to go on and tour without Lindsay and without Christine. Here's the thing also about Rumors, that specific album. That was one that with your parents in the car, everybody was was happy if you put it on when i was yeah. a kid when it came out everybody in the car nobody would complain it was awesome well so i'm really how, gonna miss i don't her. know how you can't put that i don't really think you want to be objective subjective i don't know how you can't put that album in you know maybe top five of all time agreed really. i mean that, totally that's how agree. Good. and i will also say though having said that and i love rumors and i want to also say that um that first the first fleetwood mac record too 
um, that has you know Monday morning in uh, oh, over I my head. Th- th- that was say you love me. That was a great record too. Yeah, the other thing I would say about Fleetwood good. Mac because and, and this is a record that is overlooked. Um, there was a let's see. This is 2003. The last time Fleetwood Mac put out a record was in 2003. What it's was called, it? It's called Say You Will, and Christine. Man, I can't remember if she was on that record, but that's a fantastic. You know, most most bands of that era, they don't put really good albums. I don't know what happens with songwriting. You have great songwriting, you put out all these great albums, and then typically acts can't keep up with the hits, and it just happens, right? But that record from 2003, Say You Will, has always been, for me, one of the more um, underrated. But I'm not so convinced that she was on that record. She took such a long break from Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I'm looking it up just to see, and I'm not sure they're going to list it for me. Personnel, let's see. Production listing. No, I don't see her on yeah, there. Yeah, but that's a, that's a great record. Anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit more. You know, usually on Wednesday afternoon, Hayes and Alex Rich drop by from Y98. Alex is. Alex sent me a note at the last minute. You know our friend Tom Ackerman from KMOX? He's an IU alum like Alex, Indiana. And Tom always makes a run up to Bloomington to see a basketball game. And they're doing that tonight, and he had an extra ticket, or Alex grabbed a ticket. Ah, so they left it. at like noon for Bloomington. They're on their way right now. So he ditched out on us today, but Hayes will be here. Hayes is a, you know, he's been a disc jockey for a long time, music guy, so he'll have some thoughts about Christine as well. But let's get kind of moving here because we do have a lot to get to. Brian Kilmeade is going to join us in just a few minutes. I do want to mention... Um, Trisha gave me a little ticket update today. We're doing quite well. We have a lot sold. We do have some tickets left for the event oh, next Friday. Okay. So if you're thinking about it, I guess my message would be buy the tickets right now because they are going to sell out. And it's at the MAC downtown, Such presented cool by our, our friends at Straight Realty and 97.1 FM Talk, Friday, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. next Friday. The tickets are 95 bucks, but you get a lot for that. A reception, uh, a book, a book signing, dinner, Brian's going to take great care of you. He'll sign that book, and we'll um, we'll have a great Q&A with him as well. So he's coming up here. Also, you know, I mentioned this story yesterday, Sue, and I, I love There's a new guy over at HotAir.com. His name is Dave Strom, and I mentioned his name to um, John Ziegler a few weeks ago, and he said, yeah, I know him. So I reached out to Dave because he wrote this great piece yesterday about academia. And I don't know anything about Dave, but he mentioned that he used to be in academia. So I think he was a professor. And he pinned a lot of the problems in this country on academia, which I agree with him on. And the latest example is MIT and their hiring requirements for professors, which really, you don't have to be very smart at all. You, I, maybe you have to have a doctorate. <laughs> kind of joking. I think you do have to have a PhD. But if you're not anti-racist, you can't be not racist. If you're not anti-racist, if you don't have diversity and inclusion and all that other stuff on your resume, you better go to the QT and find a job because yeah. you ain't going to work. We don't care how smart you no. are or what, how good of a teacher. No, we want to make sure that you check the, uh, the woke boxes. So Dave will weigh in on that. There have been some cases that have gone before the United States Supreme Court. Ilya Shapiro from, um, well, the Manhattan Institute now he used to be at Cato, and then he got kind of the shaft at um, Georgetown, but he's with the Manhattan Institute. Uh, Phil Holloway from Fox here this afternoon will talk with him about a bunch of different things, including the Idaho murders, which are still, we don't know. You know, do we know anything new? I don't think so. And, you know, there are some people that are coming out and saying, give 
the police room to investigate and breathe. From this standpoint, this is a very complicated case. You had four people who were killed. They were stabbed to death while they were sleeping. They took all the cars. I think they took four different cars from the crime scene to take those in just to see when they had been driven and mm. see if the time mm-hmm. matches up with what they think they know. Very but interesting. Even, even Nancy Grace, who's usually pretty critical of investigations, you know, she's out there. She used to be on court TV. I'm don't even know where she is right now. Where is she? Do you know? I have no she might idea. be on Fox. But she's like, look, th- because this is so complicated, you have um, a lot of witnesses and other people who may have been related to the case that went home for Thanksgiving. So give them time. But that, well, we got to have an answer in that one, right? That is a big mystery that they don't have a suspect in a very small town. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have leads. One of the other things that's important is with police agencies, and I think there's there's a documentary right now. What was the um, what was the killer, the serial killer in California, the Zodiac killer? Oh, right. So mm-hmm. never they never caught the Zodiac killer, right? No. Some people think I think they think that the, the Unabomber dude might have been the Zodiac killer, but I don't think they can prove that. What? But one of the things that they're concerned about in cases like I hadn't this, heard that one by the way. I, I think there's I don't know that that's a strong theory, but in okay. the documentary, I was told in the documentary that that was one of the loose theories or something like that. I don't know that they put a lot of stock into that. Um, however, you don't want to tip off the person who might be Correct. the murderer, too. Correct. So there are some things that you would hold back and not let out there in the public, or maybe vice versa. You let some things out there and dangle them out there to see if anyone maybe As bites. bait. Right, exactly. So it, we have that going it, on hmm. here this afternoon. But i got to get to a break because we got a lot of stuff going on with Brian Kilmeade coming up next, Dave Strom a little later in the hour, Sue's News, an audio cut of the day, and a whole lot more on 97.1 FM Talk. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, I mentioned uh, Dave Strom, who is with HotAir.com right now. He is a pundit. I think he's been out there for uh, quite a while in conservative circles. He's now an associate editor of HotAir.com. And he wrote about um, diversity and equity and inclusion and how that is destroying academia using a great example from MIT. So we'll get into that with David a little bit later this hour on 97.1 FM Talk. Right now, our visit, our weekly visit with the guy who's coming to town next week, Brian Kilmeade, co-host of Fox & Friends, the host of One Nation with Brian Kilmeade, Saturdays, 7 Central Time. And, of course, you hear him every morning here on 97.1 FM Talk. He's coming back to St. Louis next week. All the details coming up. Brian, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good in a pouring rainstorm in New York, but can't wait to get over to you guys. How was Thanksgiving? Uh, it was interesting. It was, uh, it was definitely uh, it was good Thanksgiving. Everything's uh, on track, except the Giants were terrible. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know, just when you have hope that you might have a playoff team in your hands and you realize you probably don't. Yeah, what happened there? I mean, they looked so good earlier in the season. The Jets, too, although I think the Jets are still somewhat competitive. But, yeah, your team's kind of falling apart, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, I don't blame you. So, And, of course, <laughs> to St. Louis, you guys are still thinking about the Rams? 
No. So I understand. No, people hate the. I mean, it, there's so much pain. In fact, we, you know, we had a big settlement from the NFL, and some of the money was actually doled out here in the last couple of days from that settlement. So really, the only thing that people care about with the uh, Rams now is the the dome, which hasn't really been used very much, and now they have to renovate the dome. But there's a lot of anger and animosity. Did you see by any chance? I finally watched this. I had never seen this movie, The American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story that was out a while back. I, I, wa- yeah, I watched it on the airplane last. Night. I thought it was pretty good. You know, it's a touchy feely feel good sports movie, but I think it was uh, pretty representative. It was good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I always I've got a chance to meet him a few times. I thought to myself when this story was unfolding, I thought this was a movie, and they did pull it off. I thought it was they did it effectively. Yeah, and I did see that. I think they're still together, and I think the family's still doing well. On top of that, and that of course is the Ram story. I remember the year pretty well. I remember you guys were supposed to be good out of the out of the blocks. You lose your starting quarterback. And in comes Kurt Warner, and he just didn't lose. And Dick Vermeil had been frustrated his entire career, who's always had contenders but never a champion, ends up with a champion with the greatest show on turf. I remember even covering that Super Bowl, uh, that Super Bowl with Warner in the background. As Dick Vermeil went over to his family, I was actually, if you look at NFL films, I'm actually in the background. Oh, yeah? You could see me waiting for him to be done with his family so I could do an interview on the field. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool. And I also know, always knew, what a great sports city St. Louis was because coming up, I'm a big soccer guy and Ricky Davis was the best American soccer player. And he was from St. Louis. And every time you read about Ricky Davis, he said, that is the hotbed of, of soccer for players, not pros. But well, you know, players. I know you have a, a real quick visit here next week, but we have this um, MLS team that's going to start next year. We finally right. had a game at the stadium with the, you know, with kind of the feeder team, and the stadium looks great. We're very excited about that, so I don't know if you'll have a chance to swing by and see that. On the topic of soccer, since we're on sports right now, let's start with that. I walked out. I was doing some show prep before uh, my program yesterday, and I think I kind of caught it right at the 96th minute, which was in the, uh, the extra time. And if I'm not mistaken, Iran almost scored around that time didn't they ball scores by the keeper kicked a kicked aside uh by um uh by the center back uh walker uh forgot his last name right now but he was cleared off the line so and then there was another uh, near miss it's hard to believe if you saw the first half it looked like uh, iran was not even trying and what they were doing is they they looked uh they do a play for a tie but they weren't playing well and i thought this is probably gonna be three nothing and then by the end of the game, it looked like every game in which a team was just trying to hold on. And I'm thinking to myself, these are the best American players in the country. And that's exactly what all our teams do at the end. You're just desperate to clear it out. Of course, you don't. You clear it to the middle instead of to the side. You send balls right over to the team's best player. And to see that happen to a team at this level is almost heartening. But for us to go forward, I think it's great. I mean, the fact is, at 10 o'clock in the morning Eastern, uh, you'll be able to watch the U.S. play Holland. And they've always said that we should, we never would be with those teams. We'd never be able to play with those teams. And I think a lot of experts looking at this game and seeing Holland play and say, they tied Ecuador. And for us to qualify, we had to beat Ecuador. And we've beaten them in the past, and they tied. So if you could pull off a tie against a team in our, uh, in our hemisphere, in our bracket, uh, in our qualifying bracket, I think it gives us hope. Man, if you think it was a big deal to beat Iran this time, a team we're supposed to beat, 
Can you imagine if they find a way to beat the Netherlands? Well, it'd be awesome. And we have, you know, to, going back to the point I was making about the MLS team, it's a huge soccer community here. There's a, there a couple of soccer bars, one down in the Soulard, which is in the South St. Louis area, the Amsterdam, and they've been setting up things outdoors. It's going to be a little chilly here in St. Louis on this Saturday morning, uh-huh. but people will jam-pack that area to watch the game. Let's talk about a couple of issues. Let me start with this, because this is so amazing to me that the White House is watching Elon Musk over free speech violations. They're watching him. KJP. We're all keeping a close eye on this. We're all uh, uh, monitoring uh, what's what's currently uh, occurring. And uh, we see, you know, we see it with our own eyes of, of what you all are reporting and just for, for ourselves, what's happening on, on Twitter. So they're keeping an eye on Twitter at the White House. Uh, this is a is this a constitutional responsibility I'm unaware of? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, it, yeah, they, they have to stay on top of this as well as the new Yellowstone series uh, and other things. This has nothing to do with them, and it shouldn't be. And especially if you really peel this back, which you're peeling it back is a major social media platform that is not interested in playing politics. I'm not quite sure if Elon Musk knows what he's doing by having everyone quit and then firing him and then hiring him back and uh, going through T-shirts. I'm not sure if this is a business plan, and I, I know the place is probably too far gutted, but the fact is, there's something going on here. It's almost as if he expected this blowback and doing the preemptive strike of saying, Apple is threatening to kick me off of the Apple store, and therefore I would be bankrupt, or would I have to go to bankruptcy for this, has got it, everyone uh, alerted to it. And the White House, it'd be such an easy answer. She struggled so much. Unless she was told to say that, all you do is say, you know, uh, social media is something they're going to be looking at in the next Congress, not just Twitter, but all social media to see about modernizing some of the regulations around it. Whatever. You just get through it. What, what are you trying to say to Elon Musk, who you're in bed with, with electric cars and spacecraft? Well, that's true, right? Yeah. I, I don't get it, but you're right. I think there is something kind of lurking in the background, but it's it's just kind of entertaining to see people's heads explode about Elon Musk. Our mayor, Tashara Jones, I don't believe she'll be at your event next Friday night with 97.1 uh-huh. FM Talk, but she's she claims that she's off Twitter as well because of Elon Musk, because I don't know if you saw the tweet about Ferguson last week, but he, um, he referenced what happened in Ferguson with Mike Brown, and she didn't like that very much. Hey, I saw you kind of going at it with John Kirby about the Afghan exit. And he has emailed me back, and, you know, I'm, I was relatively friendly with him. But to say that the, again, to look at your own Defense Department, who says the disaster in Afghanistan has given been, a, been used as propaganda by China to alienate ourselves from our allies as well as to hearten our enemies, and they go through a whole thing, a report on the Department of Defense. And his answer is, essentially, the Afghanistan exit was a huge success story, and the way we left and the way we were able to to uh, to get everybody out of there the way we did was uh, was great and starts going on that line of I can't even I can't even put into words how how insulting it is because you know what a disaster it was it was worse than Saigon it was worse the worst military disaster in our history and he's still pretending as if we have eyes in Afghanistan and we have over the horizon capabilities because we killed one guy and I told him that not only is is Al Qaeda back but uh, bin Laden's son is basically one of the lieutenants running things in Afghanistan. They are leaving Syria, along with Russia, and they're going to Afghanistan. How could you possibly say this is a success? So as we started getting into it, I, I, I can't help it. Um, I, I just know everybody listening right now that served in the military or, or studied that operation and gave something in their family for that 20-year war 
would have been punching out windows in their house, listening to him brag about the way we left. What do you think right now about what's going on with, uh, I guess we can talk about Iran and the protests there, but with China in particular, and has the administration, look, I heard Ron DeSantis say something pretty forceful, and I understand that there are geopolitical implications for a White House and an administration, but you'd think that they'd be a little bit more vocal on that issue? I just think there's a whole trend. Uh, Think about this. We really haven't said much about Iran. We really haven't, never did a year and a half ago when the Cubans had that uprising, uh, pushing for democracy and representation. We said absolutely nothing. And at the same the same week that all this is happening with China, we make overtures towards formalizing a relationship with the communist regime in Venezuela. And remember, he was going to bring values and ethics back to our foreign policy. He has actually done just the opposite. I'm not saying we're going to go fight wars in every, for every place that has an uprising. I'm not thinking about starting Vietnam, too. But what I'm saying is providing an inspiration for freedom and liberty and letting people know in the streets that the superpower is watching could help keep people alive and other powers from just terminating them in, in cold blood. And he does not, the president doesn't even feel this is worthy of his time or a press conference. Instead, he trots his, uh, I guess you'd call John Kirby, the uh, coordinator for communications, comes out and says, you know, it's up to the protesters to speak for themselves. Yet, guess who has a more muscular response? Canada, of all people. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. Absolutely. Uh, one more topic before we get into some of the details here about the uh, the event next week, which is going very well. Hakeem Jeffries, uh, the Nancy Pelosi era is over. Do you know Congressman Jeffries at all? No, I've uh, interviewed him a couple of times. I think he's capable. They say that there's some Republicans he has a relationship with, especially Steve Scalise. Uh, there is some complications with him and Kevin McCarthy. That wouldn't be new. <laughs> right. uh, and the thing is, he's not way to the left. He is not a member of the squad. But you'll see, if you look up, uh, go on YouTube and look at some of his statements, you do not feel hardened that you've got a moderate there at all. The question is, can he consolidate power? Can he get people to follow him? Uh, will he be dealing with the shadow government? Clyburn's still there. Pelosi's still there. Uh, Steny Hoyer's still there. How much must they hate their families? At the in, in their 80s to say, I'd still rather spend most of my time away from you. <laughs> so, again, they're going to stay around in a place that's not even needed anymore. But, you know, they're going to be lurking in the background. So it's up to Hakeem Jeffries to show that I'm the guy in charge. Yeah. What are you hearing on the McCarthy front, too? Because he still has some work to do, doesn't he? Yeah. But the thing that's different about this in the Paul Ryan situation, Andy Biggs does not have any more than two dozen votes. Nobody really does. And I think there's going to be pressure on the Matt Gates of the world, the Congressman Buds of the world. Uh, I think there's Congressman Good. Um, I might be missing a name. I think I'm missing five names. Uh, just to put them over the top, I think there's going to be so much pressure on them to do it. Uh, I just think it's ridiculous at this point because you're making McCarthy look weak at a time in which the Republicans disappointed with the majority they have already. Why have this guy come limping into a power, uh, place of power? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I just think he's earned it, Mark. I don't know about you. This guy has earned it. He does all the fundraisers, 3,000 miles from home, uh, on a regular basis, tireless, even when he lost out in the speakership because he couldn't consolidate the support he wanted. He just worked you harder than Paul Ryan. And when Paul Ryan said, I'm going to hold on to the job but stick around, he became the essential speaker. And he did all the work that Ryan basically retired while staying on the job did. So give him a give him a chance to do the job. I just think he's he's not an he's not an idealist. 
I think he's a consolidator. I think he's somebody that knows how to coordinate and message. I think he does good on camera, and I think that he'll. I think he'll be strong for the Republican Party. I'm just surprised they're making him go through this because it makes the whole party look weak. And I think right now, any Republican not talking about Herschel is really not doing their job. It is a big election on December 6th. Yeah, and I think what I'm seeing from the numbers down there, maybe that might be encouraging. And we did check in. um, I'm going to do that this afternoon with Phil Holloway, too, down in Georgia, just to see how things are progressing. All right, we're getting very close here, Brian Kilmeade, to our event next Friday. We're going to keep our fingers crossed for no bad weather. 6 p.m., 10 p.m., Missouri Athletic Club, it starts at 6 o'clock, and I'm told that we still have a few tickets available, but this is sold, as you might expect, very, very well, and we're looking forward to it. Can't wait. If you go to 971talk.com, you can see the link for the tickets. It's at the MAC. It's going to be a fabulous evening. Brian's going to meet and greet and sign some books as well, right? Yeah, and uh, and in conversation, I heard most of you guys are going to be there. Yep. A lot of your lineup's going to be there, so I'm thrilled to meet uh, to meet us in person, Mark, meet you in person, meet to see the whole lot of us, see the team. Uh, you know, it's just always an honor for us to be on uh, 97.1. Well, we and can't wait. Have, we yeah, really can't. have a chance to come down and meet the people. And even with the overflow, uh, we have a, we, the stuff that we could do with the overflow, if people can get out, I'll make sure to get to their books and, and we'll have a chance to answer their questions. Uh, and, and, of course, we'll do a thing maybe in conversation rather than a presentation, but I'll do whatever you guys want. Yeah, I think we're going to do a little Q&A, and it'll be a lot of fun. 971talk.com to get tickets. There are a few left for next Friday's event, December 9th, Missouri Athletic Club. Kill me to have a great week. We'll talk next week. Go get him, Mark Rudin. Hey, hey, Sue, before Sue's news, remind me to ask you uh, about this, and I'm going to give you a little visual here. You see that? I don't think you're on the air. There's your mic. Is that a chicken bone? I don't know, but it's a bone that was on the deck of my house that I think one of my cats dragged up. So oh. I, don't, I don't I don't know what it is. I'm going with chicken. Yeah. I, it's weird. Weird <laughs> well, it's, things are happening. It's so. picked clean. Do I bring that up yeah. or do I not bring that? Okay. Well, and it seemed a little big and heavy for my cat. One of the cats, Dash, is outside. His name is Dash, actually. But anyway, we'll keep you posted on it. I'll give you some more details coming up after 4 o'clock. Hayes from Y98 is going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. We have Sue's News. I have Ilya Shapiro from Manhattan Institute. We'll talk about some of the Supreme Court hearings that went on this week, in particular the one about Biden's deportation policy. Phil Holloway, Fox News legal analyst. A little later, we have an audio cut of the day as well. So I mentioned, you know, I always a little hesitant to mention hotair.com because it's such a great resource for me as a talk show host. They've gone through some changes over there and some new writers and I've become a fan of uh, Dave Strom. And I mentioned Dave's name to John Ziegler a couple of weeks ago and John mentioned that he kind of knew Dave. So we got in touch with him because um, if you were listening yesterday, I read a little bit about his column that related to MIT and some of the nonsense that's going on there. So we've invited Dave to come on the show. He's an associate editor of hotair.com. How are you, Dave Strom? Nice to meet you on the radio. Hi, it's great to meet you. I'm very excited. I didn't know you knew John. Well, I, you know, and I was unfamiliar with you until you jumped on a hot air, and I apologize for that, but he said he'd known you kind of for years. John's a good friend. Uh, we go back probably 12, 13 years when he did his documentary on the media when Obama was, you know, elected. We brought him into St. Louis, did a great screening. We've kind of become friends, and he's a contributor. And if you know John, he fills time, Dave. You know, I, I, I asked yeah. John maybe one or two questions, and then I just kind of back <laughs> off the mic. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, I, I should warn you, I'd love to talk, too. <laughs> well, that's that's okay. So let's kind of get right into it, because your column yesterday, and this kind of fits with a lot of the themes that I talk about here, you said, I've said it before, I will say it again, academia is trash. Now, you feel the freedom to say academia is trash because of some personal connections. I'll let you explain that and explain why you say, in this instance, once again, and I agree with you, that academia is trash, Dave. So explain that. Well, first of all, I come from an academic family. Uh, my father's a physicist. My mother was a physicist. My mother actually went to MIT before she uh, transferred over to Harvard, where uh, after she met my dad, uh, my sister, uh, my mother went to, to, to MIT at 16, and my sister went to Harvard at 15. Uh, my wife and I are both former academics. We met while we were teaching at Carleton College together uh, in political science. And my best man and several of my best friends are all academics. And to a person, I think they would all agree today that academia is trash. It is uh, a, a danger to society. And for a very long time, it used to be this big split between the humanities, where the trash began, that then moved into the social sciences, and now it's gotten into the uh, the hard sciences, which is really dangerous. I, I think uh, it is, because... too. And I, I could not, by the way, I could not agree with you more. And I've talked a lot about academia. I don't have as many of the personal connections as you. But, and by the way, we got a little clipping on your phone line. It sounded a little goofy. So hopefully we can work through that. But I want you, because I don't want to miss out on this, to sort of outline what you wrote about yesterday when it comes to MIT. And this is sort of the pattern with universities now. It doesn't really matter your expertise, your experience. The only thing that matters is that you're woke, right? Oh. Are you still there? Yeah, now we're here. I think I might be able to hear you better, by the way. Oh, good. Uh, uh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, so my point was in what you wrote about MIT yesterday is that, you know, it doesn't matter what your qualifications are, your expertise, what you've done um, academically. What matters is that you're woke enough, right? That's the qualification that matters most these days in academia. Oh, that, I, that is absolutely the case. In fact, uh, I saw this process starting back when I was in graduate school, uh, where I saw the social sciences getting invaded. And it, it really got to the point where uh, your sole qualification for getting, uh, well, it started off with your sole qualification was the color of your skin. Uh, where they were talking about racial diversity, but they have now moved far beyond that. In fact, race no longer is nearly as important as it used to be. Now it's ideological purity. Uh, In fact, if if you go to MIT where they describe what they're looking for, they actually explicitly say something to the effect that we don't really care that much about your race anymore in terms of diversity. We care about your commitment to diversity. And they actually require you uh, to explain your philosophy. And of course, your philosophy has to fit the, the, the sort of new anti-racism woke BS. Uh, what you have done in the past. So while you were in college and in graduate school, you had to be an activist for uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then you have to outline a plan for how you're going to use your academic position to advance 
diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so, you know, really, I mean, well, and this explains why a black conservative can't get hired, uh, you know, because they no longer fit the diversity. No, that's right, yeah. Well, look, you, you outlined even some of the, this is from the MIT website, uh, a successful faculty application diversity statement includes, demonstrates knowledge of challenges related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, outlines your track record of working with diverse groups of people in advancing DEI, concretely discusses what you will do as a faculty member to actively encourage DEI and belonging within your group, department, and community, follows the instructions provided with the job posting. That's like the fourth point, which I love that. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to worry about the rest of it. It's all, you know, so it sounds like they, they, they're not as concerned about diversity in the hiring and the color of the applicant, but if you're a guilty white person, that is going to move you to the top of the list at MIT. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and you'll notice, I mean, they they really don't talk about, I mean, obviously, they are going to get great applicants. I mean, everybody in academia would love to wind up at MIT. So, uh, But there's no mention of physics, biology, literature, economics. It's all about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You, it, it, it's beyond a loyalty statement. You have to make that loyalty statement to begin with, because when they're talking about your philosophy of diversity, equity, and inclusion, they're actually talking about reflect back at us, what yours is. I mean, it's not like you could answer, well, I think diversity is everybody uh, should be helped to achieve uh, excellence. No, that's not good enough. You know, yeah. That's not good enough. No. I mean, you know, uh, nothing like, well, gee, wouldn't it be great to eliminate the, the achievement gap, uh, you know, in the public schools? No, that doesn't matter. What you have to do is just reflect back at them what they want to hear, and it better be detailed, and it better be Ibram Kendi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you you put I got to get this audio in here, Dave, because you put a link into something I had not seen. There, you know, the the TikTok uh, libs of TikTok account, which is apparently one of the biggest issues in America right now. If you listen to the left, they put some of these great videos up of professors and others around the country. And this is a professor at UC San Diego that I had not heard before. What's up, y'all? Dr. Purity here, and I'm going to talk to you a bit about how to decolonize a classroom and how I decolonize my teaching. So first things first, we do not grade over here, okay? Anyone who takes my class yeah. automatically gets an A. They're told in the first week that they're going to get an A. The only thing that's required is attendance. And I have weeks of um, excused absences built in so that if people are sick weeks. or they have family obligations, it won't affect their grade. So since I'm not grading them, I'm just giving them A's. Like, how do I know that they're doing anything? And how do I know that... Um, they're learning anything. Uh, and so I also don't give homework. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, and I run a discussion style classroom. So um, my students and I have equal part when it comes to bringing information to the table. Um, we all sit together and share what we're talking about. Uh, and they get to use their critical thinking skills to apply the things they've learned in all their other classes. So I'm going to make a wager here. I like to wager. I like to go to Las Vegas. I bet that they only apply their critical thinking skills in one political direction, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I remember back when I was in college, uh, you know, one of my best friends while she was there became a radical feminist. I mean, totally off the wall radical. And she started taking all these women's studies classes. And so I was talking to her about what she was doing and what, uh, you know, what do you have to do in these classes? What do you talk about? And she said, well, we write journals. 
of how we feel. How we feel, oh yes. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> Unbelievable. Dave Schramm, I'm out of time. I'd love to have you back sometime. Thank you so much for jumping, jumping on here on 97.1 FM Talk in St. Louis. I'm a fan of the site, but again, I don't like to spread that too far because it gives me all kinds of show prep, so I appreciate that. And I'm a VIP member uh, as well. Uh, Thank you, Dave. Have a good one. All right, take care. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t